This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a TGIF wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Lots to get to this morning, uh, some things to talk about that went on last night and yesterday afternoon. But we've got Dan Zampano coming up uh, to talk NFL football, a little post-mortem on the Super Bowl and some of the other things going on around the NFL. Uh, so I hope you'll stick around for Dan Zampano uh, coming up probably in about uh, oh, 10, 15 minutes. Uh, so we'll have him here. Um, have to start the show this morning remembering Tim McCarver. Uh, he passed away yesterday of heart failure at the age of 81. Um, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, a Ford C. Frick Award winner. Uh, of course, he had a long baseball career. I had forgotten uh, one of our uh, one of our listeners, uh, Dave Massey, pointed out yesterday that uh, he actually played with the Red Sox. I had forgotten that uh, he was with the Red Sox for part of the '74 and '75 seasons. I think he only played a grand total of like uh, 23 games, something like that. And then the Red Sox ended up releasing him. I had completely forgotten about that. Um, course you know the 75 season what i remember the most obviously is the cincinnati reds in that world series the carlton fisk home run a lot of the regular season to me is a blur so i had forgotten that um but uh, look uh, he was a hell of a player he became when he got traded from the st louis cardinals where he got his start and by the way when he was with the cardinals he finished second in the mvp voting one year this is a guy that he wasn't just you know uh, a scrub catcher this guy could play um, a matter of fact, in the World Series, I think it was in 64 when St. Louis uh, beat the Yankees in seven games. He had 478 that series. Had a home run, a three-run homer in the 10th inning of game five to, uh, to win that one. Uh, made an all-star game in 66. He led the majors in triples. How about that? A catcher leading the league in triples. Um, and he, he was on that team in 67 that beat the Red Sox in the World Series. So uh, this guy could play, but he's probably best known as an analyst. Uh, moved into the broadcast booth at the end of his playing career. Called Phillies games for a few years. Also worked uh, with the Mets for a number of years. He's the first broadcaster, I believe, to work for all of the major networks. He worked for CBS, ABC, NBC, uh, I, I believe. And then he, of course, worked for Fox as well. Uh, where he spent the majority of his time when Fox acquired the bro- uh, broadcast rights to Major League Baseball in 96. Uh, he teamed up with uh, Joe Buck and uh, worked with them through the 2013 series, uh, uh, the Red Sox win, uh, worked 23 World Series and 20 All-Star games. And this was a guy that um, called the game honestly. You know, and it's one of the things he always said. He always he, he wasn't into the hype. He wanted to call it 
honestly, he wanted to call it the way I see it. And he said, you know, and, and the fact that I was a catcher, I I knew the game better than a lot of people because when you're a catcher, you're involved in every aspect of the game. Um, there's a lot of people that thought Tim McCarver talked too much. I enjoy I, I enjoyed the hell out of Tim McCarver. I thought he was a great, great broadcaster. Um, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I remember most of what I remember about his career, believe it or not, is towards the end. Um, you know, when, uh, just remembering him as Steve Carlton's personal catcher, I remember watching games on television if Carlton would be pitching, I think he ended up catching about half of Carlton's games. And uh, one year when Carlton won the Cy Young, I think McCarver caught like 25 of his 35 games. At one point, he he caught 112 straight starts by Steve Carlton. They had a hell of a rapport. Uh, so uh, it, it, I was sad to hear that uh, that he passed away yesterday. And he uh, he was calling Cardinal games right up until last year. So uh, it's just he loved the game. And I love listening to him. So uh, he will definitely definitely be missed uh, i mentioned yesterday tiger woods was teeing it up yesterday first time in in many many months and uh he showed some flashes of uh the old tiger he birdied the final three holes of the genesis invitational yesterday out in los angeles finished two under par he's five shots back but held you know for a guy that hadn't played in you know seven or eight months in the last you know couple of times he played he had to withdraw from the tournament because of the leg issues he played very well uh played with Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas a couple of friends of his and he actually outdrove those guys on most of the holes how about that uh so that was great that was great um so he's two under he tees off at uh this will be the difficult part for him he, he had an afternoon tee time yesterday and I think he finished like 5 o'clock local time. He has to tee off again at 7.30 this morning. Um, that's one of the things. If you have an afternoon tee time one day, you get the morning tee time the next day. So he won't have much uh, recovery time. So we'll see how that leg holds up today. Uh, but it looks like if he play, well, there's no question. If he plays tomorrow or today like he did yesterday, he'll make the cut. So good for him. Uh, Max Homa. Leads the tournament at seven under par right now. Homa has got a uh, been off to a great start uh, this season, so he will uh, he'll set the pace. But uh, a great performance by Tiger Woods yesterday. Um, the Bruins last night they were uh, they were just down the road a few hours. They were in Nashville last night and they absolutely destroyed the Nashville Predators last night. Five nothing. Um, Jeremy Swayman, uh, the kid who played uh, college hockey at the University of Maine with his second shutout of the season um, and uh, 28 saves, and the Bruins extend their lead uh, in the NHL. 87 points now for the Bruins. Through 54 games, they are 41-8-5. and 87 points. They are seven points clear of the Carolina Hurricanes. The Hurricanes won yesterday. They beat the Montreal Canadiens 6-2. They scored four goals in the third period to break a 2-2 tie and uh, and run away with that one. So, uh, the Bruins, though, it looks like they were in that little bit of a mini slide. It looks like they may have uh, righted the ship. Uh, so uh, they, uh, they with the easy victory last night, and looking forward to getting back home, I'm sure. Uh, the Indy 500 uh, driver, Connor Daly, 
qualified for the Daytona 500 yesterday. How about that? He becomes the 62nd driver in history to race in both the Daytona 500 and the Indy 500. And if he qualifies for the Indy 500 in May, he'll become just the um, 29th driver to compete in both in the same year. Uh, he got a little bit lucky, no question. Uh, Daniel Suarez spun Kyle Busch out, and that's what got Daly into the race. It was a big crash. Uh, collected a couple of other uh, drivers, including Austin Hill. And when Hill went out, that gave Daly the uh, uh, the spot. Daly was so sure he wasn't going to qualify, he already had a flight booked to go back home to Los Angeles. So he's going to have to uh, change that flight. Uh, in the duels last night, Joey Logano won the first one. Joey, of course, from uh, Middletown, Connecticut. And uh, Eric Almarola won the second duel. So Logano and Amarola will have the second row uh, at the start of the uh, Daytona 500. Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson uh, in the top two spots will be on the front row. I am uh, looking forward to NASCAR getting started again. Should be a lot of fun. And, of course, as I said, Jimmy Johnson, uh, the seven-time champion in NASCAR, 47 years old, qualified for the uh, the the race in his return. He's not back full-time, but he's going to race a limited schedule this year, and he qualifies uh, for the race once again. It is 16 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano is going to join us to talk football. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call, and as we are every Friday, well, at least this Friday, and we're going to take a little bit of a break until the draft, but we are pleased to be joined by Dan Zampano of the Sunday Card uh, Dan, let's start off with uh, the Super Bowl. Look, I guess you would have to say it lived up to the hype despite the anticlimactic ending, yes? I would probably say so. I think it was a very good game. It was a very good game, and it was a great game until it wasn't. <laughs> because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, as, and, and look, I'm not taking anything away from the Chiefs. At the end of the day, I don't think they didn't deserve it. I thought they did. They played their hearts out in the second half. They had a comeback win. That's not to be dismissed. But the history of this game will not be written without a controversial call that probably shouldn't, probably should have been called by the, by the letter of the law. Right. But by the spirit of the law. Right. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. And, you know, it could go either way. I, I wish it didn't happen. And I do feel in some ways that Eagles fans especially may feel like maybe they really don't know if they're if the Chiefs are a better team than them because they didn't get the chance to necessarily prove it on the field. Uh, they did for 58 minutes. And then the final two minutes, it, it was all for naught because of the call. So, you know, look – it is what it is. At the end of the day, you don't think the Eagles lost the game because of one call. Right. I just wish that we didn't get cheated out of an outcome so that we could have seen, you know, the full thing play out. Yeah, I looked at it kind of like, uh, you know, how many times have, have, have you or I done a basketball game and, you know, late in the game there's a call made where, you know, it's one of those where the game is decided by a call, a foul call the referee makes late in the game. That's a 50-50 call, and it's one of those where you say, this is one where you really wish the officials would just kind of put their whistle in their pockets and let the players decide the game. And mm-hmm. there, look, there's no saying that even if they don't make that call, 
let's say he kicks the field goal. There's no guarantee that Jalen Hurts is going to drive them down and be able to get a field goal to tie the game up or, or a touchdown to win the game. But they should have at least, in my mind, it, it was crushing that they didn't have that opportunity. I mean, I, that's got to be kind of the way you're feeling about it too. No, oh, no, I absolutely feel that way. It almost, I don't know if, if some fans remember this, but there was the famous national championship game between Miami and Ohio State that they called a pass interference in overtime that kept the game going gave Ohio State another chance. Forgot about uh, that. Yeah. In 2002, I yeah. believe that was. Yep. So that was another one. It really reminded me more so of that. That was like the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, now, that wasn't as, you know, egregious and as, you know, uh, you know, consequential than this call, but it certainly was pretty consequential at the end of the day. So, look, the Chiefs are the champs. I'm not taking it away from them. There's no asterisk. There's no nothing. I just wish the game could have been played out. Uh, I will say this. Um, I have incre- an incredible amount of respect for James Bradbury, the way he handled that at the end of the game. I mean, I thought. I mean, I thought that is something where players, not just across the NFL, but players across any level of sports, to have that kind of accountability and to and to not whine and and you know throw a temper tantrum. I thought was was uh, a masterclass in public relations by James Bradbury. A hundred percent. I mean, that's what you do as a man. Right. Uh, you you accept the responsibility and you move forward on it. it. It's look at the end of the day, as as I try to reiterate all the time to anybody that listens. At the end of the day, you understand that in the big scheme of things, this is really not that important. It is incredibly important, though, in terms of the football landscape, right? And and the precipice of what you want for your career. And I think that Bradbury. What almost is as important as Super Bowl championships is to maintain the level of respect that you can as a player from your players, from your peers, from the media, from 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 the fans. And he had certainly did that, and all the Eagles did. I mean, every single press conference was, we're going to learn from our mistakes. We lost this game outright, this, that, and the other. Hertz was, in particular, just incredibly graceful, which is why I love the guy. I mean, he's fantastic. Yep with not just being an on-the-field presence, but an off-the-field leader. Um, the Eagles are like that. And, and you know, the, the Chiefs have now opened themselves up to, hey, are they the new dynasty that is going to be the team of the 20s, I guess you would say, um, as, we, as we roll through the, the next decade. Um, I, on the other side of it, you know, I have to be honest, and, you know, maybe this is, I don't know how I should really feel about this. But I was annoyed how the Kansas City Chiefs uh, kind of played up the uh, the quote-unquote underdog role about how they were underdogs and they were disrespected. And why. Huh. I mean, come on, really? I mean, this is – they are, you know, you and I just talked about this last week about, you know, how it really kind of was the two best teams that got there and how the Chiefs are there every damn year. How the hell can they ever be underdogs? Really, I mean, a point and a half is not really being an underdog. If they had come into this game, you know, seven, eight-point underdogs, okay, then maybe you got a case. But this was, I mean, as close to a pick'em game as you're going to get. I just, I think that was just kind of being overplayed, don't you? I do too, and you know, I, I think there is something to be said though about the preseason, and you know, people might have thought that the Chiefs might take a step back, and that they, you know, without Tyree Kill, it was going to be different, and you know, it, it might have been 
semi-rebuilding, but I don't think you can really use that term when you have Patrick Mahomes on the team. Right. So I'm not I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure where that narrative is coming from that you know that nobody respected them and people said that they would miss the playoffs, which is complete fabrication. Insane. Nobody said that. Right. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. Totally insane. Um, you know, of course, people might like you know make bold predictions and say that you know. They might not win the division or whatever, but no, the Chiefs were one of the best teams. It was it was the Chiefs all along. They were what second highest odds to go to the Super Bowl preseason behind Buffalo. I right. mean, give me a break, you know. So, and it's part of the reason I think the Chiefs have been kind of like you know people have been rubbed the wrong way by the Chiefs in a lot of ways just because of their their attitude toward everybody else and like you know sometimes like act like you've been there before. Right, you are champions. You've been champions before. You've been to five straight AFC championship games. Like you don't need to up to play up this underdog mentality role thing. Right. That you know, I don't know where that's even coming from. So yeah, I agree with you. Uh, speaking of a guy who has not been there before, and frankly, a guy that in my mind, I mean, I understand why Patrick Mahomes got the, got the MVP. The quarterback damn near always gets the MVP. I get that, and what he did with the injury and all that, I get it. But Kadarius Tony may have had the biggest play of the game with that punt return, right? I mean, uh, and and you know he, he had a touchdown reception. Mm. And this is a guy that was a cast off. The Giants didn't think he was good enough, and here he is. That, that punt return really was. Uh, when you come right down to it, if he doesn't return that kick the way he does, who knows how this game ends? You know, that's actually a pretty good point. I didn't think about that. Wow, and, how know, about that, Tony? Yes, he he had a touchdown. I know. Look at you. How did you do that? Blind, you know, like blind you, squirrel. You nuts. stunned me. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I, you know, to me, I agree with you. I just don't agree with giving the MVP to somebody that threw for less than 200 yards. Agreed. Uh, to me, you know, I, I I can't justify that. I would have. Tony is a good candidate. I thought Nick Bolton leading the team in tackles and having a touchdown. Yep. Okay. Uh, you Fair. know, I thought that was, that was a viable candidate. In fact, almost that personally, two of them. I think that that play that he almost did. I think that the play that he had that, that had the touchdown was even of more consequence because in the first half, I mean, that could have easily been Eagles 24 seven. True. Yeah. Instead, it, that play tied the game mm-hmm. and he picked that up and scored a touchdown. So I thought he could have gotten it. And to be honest, I know we're not supposed to give the MVP to the losing team, but Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field. No question. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even close. Yep. And I get it. We've only had one MVP in the history of the league uh, on the losing team, Chuck Howley, you know, the real one. Right. But you know, I think that I think that Hurts deserved it. Honestly, at the end of the day, he played better than anyone else. He had the play played his heart out. That quarterback sneak was the best play that the Eagles had. I mean, it oh was it was insane. Unstoppable. How much they were able to convert that. Yep. Unstoppable. And it's crazy. So, you know, and, and he had three rushing touchdowns. No quarterback's ever done that. He had a historic performance. And I think with the with the call at the end, it, it, it lent us, you know, because of how good his performance was, it kind of took away a possibility that Hurts could have even virtuoso performance down the field and, and, and won the game. Who knows, but... You know, I thought Hertz was the best player on the field. Yeah, no question. And, and look, and you know, you, one of the things that that to me was the big difference in this game was the Eagles' defense disappeared in the second half completely, and their inability 
to get any meaningful, sustained pressure on Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is a team that led the NFL in sacks by a wide margin, and yet they couldn't get near him. You have to give that offensive line for Kansas City all kinds of props. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think that that won them the game, really, at the end of the day. was was it, but Mahomes didn't make a tough throw all day. No. He sat in the pocket. He never got pressured. He made all throws to wide-open receivers. I mean, there wasn't a tough throw. Hurts was making some tough throws. And, look, like you said, credit the offensive line. Also, let's not forget, maybe, just maybe, that field wasn't oh. necessarily up to – Code that's where I, that's where I was going. That's where I was. That's where I was. Yep. That's where I was going next. <laughs> you know, yep. I mean that. Like this is a multi gazillion dollar industry, and we can't get the field right. Yep. You know, I I don't know, Gene. Uh, you tell me. I, I don't know, but I know that this is isn't this the two years in a row that they've had an <laughs> issue with the field at the Super Bowl. You know, I mean, I don't know. Look, we all know these fields get beat to crap unless you're playing the game on turf. You know, anything – these fields get beat to crap during the course of the season. So, But there's got to be a way that, you know, we, we're not – as I said on Twitter, that reminded me of back in the old days in the Boston Garden, the old Boston Garden, when they used to have the basketball uh, uh, – floor on top of the ice rink and the spring would come and all the condensation when the warm weather would come up and you'd have wet spots and slick spots on the basketball court and guys are you know diving all over the place that's what that football field reminded me of yeah wow that's that's a that's a great point you know i i saw a meme it was great there was a meme on twitter about the field and it was some kid on a slip and slide in his backyard <laughs> I love that. I mean, we brought in this ninety-five-year-old guy, the sod father, to to fix this field. Yeah, it didn't like, work so I well. Mean, I yeah. don't know, right? I, yeah, yeah. I think we need to, you know, I think Michael Corleone needs to come take over the business, you know, <laughs> if that's the case, because that's, you know, I don't know. Look, and the other thing, one other thing too. I mean, they paint the Super Bowl logo like yeah. everywhere on the field. Yeah, and it's it's obnoxious and annoying. Did they ever hear of superimposing? images on TV. Yeah. Like, why do we have to paint stuff on the field to slip it more? I'm like, I don't understand they, that at all. They you do know? it all, especially on a grass field. Well, I don't get it. They do it all the time on baseball games. You'll see them superimposing an yeah. ad on the back of the pitcher's mound, or they'll have the, 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 uh, the, the boards behind the uh, the catcher and the umpire are green screens, so that the so that the TV networks can put whatever they want back there. You know, I mean, so I, you're right. I don't get it. And and those logos are where where was was where a lot of the slipping was going on. Yeah, no uh, doubt. So, you know, and you make you can make excuses, fine. But like you know, at the end of the day, both teams played on the field, right? So you True. know, right? You're right. Uh, you got to be prepared for that. And, yep. and I don't think it takes away from anything from the game. But, I mean, the players were like it was like playing on an ice rink, like you said. So, <laughs> what can you do? Best national anthem in the history of national anthems, in my opinion. I think Chris Stapleton knocked really? it. Really? That's better. Oh, wow. Better than Whitney Houston's. You know, That's the best one I have ever heard. Wow. I mean, because he sent – you know what? I he, mean, it was good. I don't know if it was that good, oh, I'm but telling it was you good. What, I'm telling you what. And and, this, and I'm not – look, I like Chris Stapleton, but I am not – I don't worship at the, at the altar of Chris Stapleton. What I liked about it was 
Uh, it was 100% live. There was no there was no backing uh, uh, soundtrack or anything like that. It was him and a guitar, and he sang it, and he sang it soulful. But he sang it in a way he sang it soulful, but didn't get carried away like a lot of of lot of singers have done in the past. I just thought this was phenomenal. I thought it was the best one ever. Yeah, that's just me. No. Wow. Uh, I mean, I I thought it was great and fantastic and soulful, like you said, but I. But Whitney, the orchestra, there's something about the orchestra that brings me to tears. She I lips, her up like a baby. But she was lip syncing the damn thing. I know. I know. It still was great. Uh, well, no, it was great. <laughs> uh, like I said, it was great, but I just like the fact that his was 100% live and 100% organic. I thought it was outstanding. Uh, what was your your for take right, your take on the your take on the halftime show? Uh, it was okay. I mean, that's an odd way to announce to the world you're pregnant, but it was, uh, you know, what can I, what can I say? You know, it was like, I did enjoy the little furry, the the white furry guys just running around. I thought that was, that was quite interesting. Almost looked like, um, almost looked like a platform, uh, level in like Super Smash Brothers in N64, kind of looked like that. Uh, I thought it looked like a bunch that's of. Te- I, I thought it looked like a bunch of Teletubbies myself, but that's just me. Yeah, it kind of. It was a little <laughs> strange, like that, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, I thought. You know, I wish Rihanna would have. I, I I commend her for doing it pregnant. I think that's the most like you know, I think that's the 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 hardest part of this whole thing, and yeah. like the most commendable thing, like you actually did this whole thing while you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, I, I do wish that there was a little bit more fanfare and and people came out. Yeah, I do miss the days though of the band. I, I, I we need yeah, another agreed. band coming agreed. out there, yeah. man. We really do so yeah. bad. Yeah, I mean, and look, and my take on was, look, that's not my kind of music. I'm 62 years old, and you know, I'm not going to a Rihanna concert ever. Um, but it wasn't offensive, you know. <laughs> that's kind of the way, because uh, I know, you know, I thought last year, see, last year's to me, the you know, the the last year's halftime show, I thought was a train wreck on top of another train wreck. Um, but I thought this yeah. one, I thought this one was a lot better and it, it wasn't offensive at all. And, you know, it was like, it was over and I went, ah, that was fine. You know, it was fine. It wasn't Prince. Yeah. You know? It wasn't. No, no. Prince will never be, I mean, eclipsed until they have somebody unbelievable do it. I mean, like Prince will never be. Well, unless, that was the greatest halftime show I've ever seen. Unless they dig Elvis up. I don't think anybody's beaten Prince. That's just, you know. <laughs> now, even, you know, even now. I think you'd be the only person on the planet that might like everybody in the South and you would be like, that's the greatest halftime show ever because like <laughs> had, like all the young kids be like who's this old man up here shaking his well, leg you know like that. it was funny I was talking to, to to Barb about this you know what's funny is that I I have I've gotten to the age now where I have to recognize that these halftime shows are never for me anymore right they are never going to be for me again. I mean, if, if Rihanna might be the best I'm going to get for the rest of my life. <laughs> you know, you know who they're for, Gene. They're for me. Yeah, they're, they're for, for you. I know. I know. I, we all the nostalgic of Rihanna, who hasn't come out with any music in years. Yeah. And you know, my my fiance now is like a huge Rihanna fan, and was just the only person in the house dancing of like. 15 people. She's the one out there just like <laughs> shaking it. I'm like, can you like calm down over there and relax for a second? Like, you know, I want to see this, but it was, it was cool. I mean, it was, it was cool to see that she did it. I just wish that like she was at full, 
you know, ability. Yeah. Instead of instead of that, she's not really a dancer though. At the no. end of the day. So and she's, I pre- and she's, next and she's year, pregnant. I, I I suspect next year. And she's pregnant. Exactly. I suspect next year is going to be the year of of, of Taylor Swift. I, I I can't think they could put it on any longer. Pepsi no yeah. longer. Pepsi yep. no longer is the sponsor, so yep. she can do it. Like I I will guarantee you that it will likely be her. You know, it's funny. I, I was when I was said it, they're never going to be for me. She's the one modern artist that if I was still willing to go to a stadium show, I would go see her. I would go see her, you know, because she's got. I mean, she's I got, saw her. I saw her. Did you? It was one of the best productions I've ever been in yeah. Philadelphia. It was unbelievable. It was all screaming girls. Yeah, <laughs> but I saw her. It was the like seventh row. Yeah, yeah, but it was a heck of a production. I will say that. Yeah, I mean, she. I mean, you know, me. She's got country roots, so that's uh, that's a big thing. And her new music, I like a lot of it. I just so that might be the closest. Oh. That might be the closest I'm ever going to get. Uh, to uh, to something for me again, you know, like you know, I, I was thinking the other day, I was longing back to the days when Bruce Springsteen and the East e Street Band did uh, the halftime. Yeah, show. You know, awesome. You know, that was great. That was so awesome. anyway, well, I just needed to get your take on that and just make sure it wasn't just me being a grumpy old man. So, uh, <laughs> all right, so let's let's move past all that now, and it's we're into the off season now. Did you think it was ironic at all? that the two remaining head coaching jobs went to the coordinators from the losing team and Eric Bieniemy got passed over yet again? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just not sure how you can look at Jonathan Gannon especially and say this guy just got absolutely cooked in the Super Bowl yes. in the second half Yes, and doesn't have to answer for it. I mean, Gene, if I've said it once, I mean – it is, you know, it's it's all about that, you know, the Southern primaries. It's all about New Hampshire and Iowa for these teams. I mean, it's not about the, it's not yeah. about getting a job. Yeah, you're you right. You know what I mean? Yep. It's about getting the votes, and that's at the end of the day. He had a great marketing campaign. Yeah. Like everybody marketed <laughs> for him. Yeah, it's like crazy. It takes it takes you know Brian Flores can't sniff a job. He's got to go be the DC in Minnesota. Right. And now, but Jonathan Gannon, one year with an absolutely loaded defense, is now going to be the head coach uh, out in Arizona. So that's that's uh, fascinating to me. I thought Steichen was okay. I mean, I don't really know what he does. Right. You know, I mean, Sirianni, I imagine, is is doing most of the the big lifting on this. Right. You know, it's hard with Biennemi because I, I look at Biennemi and, like, People just say, "Well, Andy Reid's the guy really right. running the offense." And that, like, that, who knows who's calling it? And, yeah, that's what. Know. Well, that's what I was wondering. I, I, does, I don't know how that works. Does well? That's what I'm wondering. Is it does Eric Bieniemy? And there's been some talk about him possibly going to Washington to be their offensive coordinator. Does he need <laughs> to get out of Andy Reid's shadow? Is that what's really hurting him here? I think that would help. Um, my understanding is that there are some big time skeletons in this guy's closet from a long time ago. Oh, uh, that that people you know kind of know about but don't know about, okay. and it's all allegedly all the stuff happened. Um, I I don't even want to say it because I don't right, yeah. I don't want right. to disparage anybody. Right, but you know I I would say that. I don't know if that has an effect on whether owners are willing to hire him, but, but it could. It could be, and I've heard that. Well, the so. one the one thing I will say about Steichen, and one of the reasons why I think he might be a really good hire, when you think about when he got his start, he worked with Philip Rivers, right, with the Chargers. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually worked with Justin Herbert with the Chargers. You know, so this is a guy that worked with a couple, and he, you know, I mean, he worked with Herbert when he was first coming into the league, so he kind of brought him along. You know, you look at that, and then you look with him working with Jalen Hurts, and the fact that the Colts have a big quarterback problem. And, you know, maybe it's they think this guy might be some kind of quarterback guru, and maybe this is why uh, they they thought he would be the right guy, whether they're going to uh, draft a quarterback in the first round or whatever it is they're going to do. Maybe they figured that this guy would be the right guy to bring bring along their new new quarterback. That's, that's what I'm going with. I, I think you're right because the quarterback's probably going to get drafted. Yeah. And, you know, Jim Irsay's already out there giving out his secret plan. Um, <laughs> but the uh, – yeah, that Alabama kid looks good. Yeah. Yep. Oh, thanks, Jim. Okay, go take a nap. Um, the guy is just, like, totally nuts. But, uh, no, I think I think Steichen – I think that's probably the right, you know, um, determination on why they did it. I hope that they bring in a pretty good defensive coordinator. Yeah, uh, that's what my my hope is, and I haven't heard, you know, who they're going to bring in for DC. So uh, I'm sure they'll figure that out. Uh, look, Sirianni obviously worked out, but the Colts got to rebuild their front. I mean, they got to they got to really focus on getting the offensive line and defensive line like set, ready to go, and they have pieces in the back end that are fine. They have the Gilmore's and the Darius Leonard's and all those pieces. Yep, you know. They need to focus on the front seven, uh, particularly D-line, particularly defensive end. I think they, they need another pass rusher. I also think that on top of quarterback, which will obviously be their first priority, they, they need to protect this guy. And like for all this talk we've had about all oh, the Colts O-line, the Colts O-line, the Colts O-line was terrible this year. I mean, it was not good at all. So, you know, I mean, that, that's got to be a, the first step of priority is once we get the quarterback, let's surround him with protection and let's go after the quarterback. Those are the, those are the positions I would go with if I was, if I was Indianapolis. Um, uh, what about the rumors that the bears might be considering trading Justin Fields? Is I mean, oh. I mean, no, I read that today and that there are a lot of, well, I wouldn't say a lot, but there are several general managers that think that is a realistic possibility because the Bears see Bryce Young as a better version of Justin Fields. And they think that they might be willing to trade Justin Fields if they have a shot to get Bryce Young. I would be absolutely apoplectic if they did something like that. That that would be just utter foolishness to 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 just throw this guy who looks like he is progressing. Yep. And just throw this guy to the wolves. Like, I understand, and I get it. Like, you know, you want to make an assessment of your quarterback versus this draft class. 100% yes, and and the height. And I think Bryce Young is unbelievably talented. I think he's a really good player. I think he should be the first pick in the draft. But at the end of the day, I mean, quarterback is not your only issue here. Right. I mean, you now have, what, three years to figure out what you have in Justin Fields, who says there's not another quarterback next year that is going to be able to, to, to be a part of the lexicon of Chicago sports. Uh, if Fields really doesn't work out this year, you know, I mean, there's a guy, Caleb Williams, who a lot of people like, so, you know, I mean, you move for that, 
to me, if I was Chicago, I'd be trading this pick away, and I'd be trading up. I'd be getting draft picks left and right. Well, that was that's my th- what I'd be doing. Yeah, well, that was my. Even if you want to trade Justin Fields, I mean, you still have to. Then you have to draft the quarterback. So, I mean, and and you know, whoever you trade him to, you can probably get some kind of haul back for him. I would think, but I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know that you're going to get enough back to 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 replace the quarterback and get what you need. I think you're right. I think uh, if, unless they, if they traded the pick, they probably would have a better chance of maybe picking up uh, multiple picks in, in the first round, I would think. Well, yeah, it's like what's worth more? Right, exactly. I mean, is Fields worth more than the number one pick? I don't think so. Right. I don't know. I mean, that's, well, I mean there are some desperate teams right now. Yeah, I mean, you can't be that desperate. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, what do you what do teams have to offer? What teams are out there that can offer those first round picks or whatever the Bears would want right. for Justin Fields? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it would take a pretty decent haul, right, to get him. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, staying on the quarterback idea, uh, Tiki Barber uh, this week came out and said that he thinks that the Jets should think twice before trying to trade for Aaron Rodgers because he thinks Aaron Rodgers isn't tough enough for New York. He thinks he's got too thin of a skin. What do you say to that? Uh, look, uh, talking about too too thin of skin, I mean, this is coming from Tiki Barber. I mean, you know, Mr. Fumble yeah, in pot, New York. Pot kettle, um, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So Aaron Rodgers is – find wherever he goes uh i don't think it has anything to do with thin skin or this that and the other aaron Rodgers is just who he is right he is particular about the fact that he knows how good he is and he exploits teams for that which he should be. i mean every other player in the league does this right but because he's a quarterback and because he's you know maybe has some differing opinions on things uh, I think he probably gets gets you know put in the oh you can't touch him he's too you know out there he's too it, it, really the really the 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 crux of the matter he's too powerful right I mean he's too powerful at the end of the day he's so good that he can say what he wants he can kind of do what he wants because you need him more than he needs you right I mean. He's got a lot of power as a player. Oh, he's, and yeah. he's you got, know, he's got. Hey, can you? Can you? Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, can you handle that? A and B. You know, are you willing to kind of sell out for a Super Bowl? Like the Bucks were willing to do it. Uh, you know, and sold out for Brady. You know, I think Rogers certainly has the ability and capability of of running another offense, which, by the way, is run by his favorite coach that he's ever had i guess you would say yeah so that would be a uh that would be i think a great move for the jets to to move on i don't think it's possible for the packers to do it but we shall see do you do you think aaron Rodgers wants to be traded (laughs) i i I can't tell you anything about what i think aaron Rodgers wants (laughs) i think he is just you know, like the guy is Good living call. in darkness for yeah. four days, and yeah. you want me to tell you what he does, what he's going to do? <laughs> I mean, he might rub a genie's lamp. I don't know if he's going to ask for the three wishes and say, "I want this uh, offensive coordinator, this wide receiver, and this whole line." I mean, right. I, I don't know. Right. I, don't, I could not tell you from Adam what Aaron Rodgers could possibly want to do. 
<laughs> I love that response. That's great. Um, so Derek Carr finally got released from the Raiders. He made the visit to the Saints. Uh, supposedly the two teams, the Raiders and the Saints, had agreed on compensation. Uh, but Derek Carr said, hold the phone, because the Saints wanted him to take a pay cut. He says, I'm not doing that. So he now hits the open market. Um, and you got to, th- you know, and that's the, the Jets obviously have to be in that market. The Panthers, the Colts, uh, the Buccaneers, I guess. Um, I suppose you could throw the Washington Commanders. I mean, there's a lot of landing spots, including the Saints. Here's the thing, though. If he wasn't going to take a pay cut for the Saints, the Saints are $60 million over the cap. They're screwed. Right. I mean, what? how are they going? I think, I, you know, I, I know you haven't done this, you know, you looked into it that deeply yet, but what the hell are the Saints going to do to give themselves cap room to even to even be able to sign draft picks? Who? I mean, how many players are they going to have to jettison? I mean, I mean, they're going to have to really sell a lot of their high-priced clients. I mean, you would think that a guy like Marshawn Lattimore would be uh, a perfect trade candidate. Okay. That would be number one. Okay. Uh, you got to get under Michael Thomas's contract. Right. Uh, I would be stunned if this happens, but Kamara, Woo. you might think about making a move for him, giving him a move. Wow. Um, and and it, if I don't think all those guys at once, they would take on probably a lot of cap hits for that. Right. But I think I think uh, a, a name has to move off that team. And then, you know, you might see some surprise cuts that they may say, okay, I mean, there's a release here. We have to make a release of Cam Jordan or whoever it might have to be. Um, you know, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. So, you know, they made it work last year. They've been under the cap for the last couple of years. They're one of the worst teams uh, in terms of cap spending. Um so, yeah, I, I do think Carr is a viable option for them, though. Yeah. I, I think Carr, look, Carr is going to go to the highest bidder. There's yep. no question about that. Clear, clearly he wants his money. But you also have to figure Derek Carr probably wants to win, doesn't he? I mean, that, there would be a possibility of that. So whether that's New Orleans or the Tampa Bay, um, you know, somewhere along those lines. You know, I mean, there are plenty of places to go or Derek Carr could find himself in a position where I can win with this team. It's just going to be to the highest bidder. And uh, look, the majority of the good teams that need quarterbacks, most of them are, are over the cap. So, you right. know, it's going to be hard for anybody to do it. I mean, do you see – I mean, it, 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 to me, if you want to win, your best two options are Tampa and the Saints. They're in the same division, and that division is fairly weak. Isn't, mm-hmm. I mean, that to me, isn't that, isn't that probably the place you want to go? To one of those two teams? You would think so. Yeah, or maybe like, let's throw out maybe a team like Carolina uh, if they're wanting to take on uh, a more experienced quarterback instead of a instead of a, a drafted quarterback. So, yeah, I think that NFC South is just ripe to be, you know, picked off by a team. It's really fascinating because it seems like no team really is stable at right. quarterback in that division. And we'll see. We'll, we'll absolutely see. So, yeah, I could definitely see that. I, I would think in Carolina, too, that could, you know, that could work, you know, bringing a guy like Carr because you've got a veteran coach there. You know, I think it's probably going, yep. to, I think it's probably going to take a coach. I, I worry about how he would fit with Tampa because, to me, that coaching staff is weak. Um, but uh, but I, think, uh, I, think, I think Frank Wright could probably handle him pretty well. Absolutely. I agree with that. And and the reuniting with Dennis Allen right. would be, you know, you would think that that would work out too. So as a Patriot fan, tell me how you feel about the fact that the Patriots are raising ticket prices after the season they just had. 
<laughs> How's that going to go over in Fox? Well, we better we we better see some new and improved offensive firepower. That's what we better see. Because <laughs> I guarantee you, this is not the product it once was. Okay. Yeah, no. Uh, it is not the product it once was, and and to me, you know, I think that this look, this is a money move. Clearly, they're yeah. trying to recoup some of that, and maybe, maybe by raising ticket prices, they're trying to recoup some money for money that they may spend. There's thirty-four million dollars to spend, right? Um, and of course, we've talked about what players need to be resigned and which ones don't, but. You know, at the end of the day, the Patriots, if they're going to make some moves, they may have, maybe they're, you know, raising prices for a specific player they want to trade for. Uh, I could specifically see in two positions. Those positions would be corner and wide receiver. And those positions would be wide receiver. Yeah. And I think the, the, the messaging that you've heard this week about certain players, such as Debo Samuel, right? Uh, you know, I think, or DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I think that there is a, there's certainly, <laughs> you know, Maybe a little bit of smoke there. I, you know, with we, those receivers. I let me tell you something. Yep, go ahead. If they can sign Debo Samuel, I will go on payroll deduction and send them <laughs> send them part of my my weekly check if they can get Debo Samuel in a Patriots uniform. That could be a game changer for New England. Absolutely. I mean, you'd have an actual. You know, playmaking receiver. Oh my God! I, that that would completely change the game. And I also think, Gene, that there will be some teams that are trying to move players because of cap situations, as we just talked about with the Saints and Lattimore. Right. I think corners of position that the Patriots have invested in before through free agency. Okay. I.e. Seth Gilmore. Yep. I.e. Darrell Revis. Yep. You know, players like that. Yep. I think a player that could possibly move there. And maybe you'll think I'm crazy, but I think a guy like Jalen Ramsey wouldn't be out of the possibility. Wow. Because Ramsey would be certainly, the Rams are very much under the gun with some of their cap issues. Yep. And maybe they see, okay, maybe we need to draft a quarterback, get some more draft picks because we have none, (laughs) and the Patriots would be willing to move with Ramsey. So, like, you know, that's another opportunity, you know, that you might not might not hate. The reason why I think it's more likely, though, to be a wide receiver yep. is because the Patriots are very good at developing corners. Okay. Like, they're just very, very good at it. They're not so good at developing receivers. <laughs> so, <laughs> i.e., all, uh, all the receivers they tried to bring yeah. in here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, both of those positions are probably on the table. I think that it's more likely to be a receiver than a corner. Free agency starts when? Middle of March? Yeah, middle of March. Okay, okay. And I think they, I think they call it. Uh, didn't, don't doesn't it start with something they call the legal tampering period or something like that? Yes, the tampering <laughs> period. Tampering period for three days before the actual season starts, which of course we have to have this random three days of everybody's allowed to stab each other in the back and nations are allowed to, you know, go crazy. So. That's, that's very fun. It's very doggy dog, you know. Um, I'm going to give you a few Patriot free agents before we get we get out of here today, and uh, tell me you, sure. your 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 thoughts about whether they will come back and whether they should come back. Uh, Jacoby Myers. Sure. I think he'll be back. You do, okay. Uh, Jonathan yeah. Jonathan Jones. 
I think there's a good possibility that he'll probably hit the free agency market. Really? Okay. Um, what about guys like, and, you know, getting a little long in the tooth, but still effective, Devin McCourty? Uh, he'll either retire or he'll sign a one-year deal with the Patriots. Okay. Uh, what about Slater? I probably would lean toward retirement with Slater, maybe even coaching. Although, if if it again, I I go one year deal if that's if the Patriots want that. I think that they would rather probably move on at some point here. I would think they also want to move on from Isaiah Wynn, No, I I cannot ship him <laughs> off to some sub-Saharan area fast enough. Fast yeah. enough. Uh, and then the big one to me, and and this is the one I, that I'm even torn on. What do they do with Damian Harris? This is the big one. I mean, I think I think that you come at it with with the idea that, it, it, and I'll give you a little tidbit. At the Senior Bowl, I'm sorry, the East West Shrine Bowl practices, the Patriots were the coaches. Troy Brown was the head coach of the West team, right? And the Patriots specifically targeted and asked to coach the running backs. However, it was a specific group of running backs. They asked to coach the scat backs. They wanted to coach those guys most of the week, and they did because they wanted a James White-esque replacement that they can see in the draft. And I think that that was something that they've been really, really eyeing on is can we get a pass-catching back back here? So whether that, you know, I mean, Kevin Harris and Pierre Strong, I imagine that maybe one of those guys probably either gets put on practice squad or gets cut Mm -hmm. because – you know, you just didn't see much from either of them. I think strong is obviously the speed is a huge, a huge factor for, for them. But I think the Patriots don't necessarily want a, uh, I think there's a possibility the Patriots probably want Mermondre Stevenson to carry the load and then have a secondary back with him and then have a scat back that can run on third down. So Harris uh, I'd probably say because they just don't like paying running backs, I'd probably say Harris is probably on the free agency market wow. come March. Okay. All right. Well, Dan, appreciate your input this morning. We're going to take a month off, and uh, we'll get back with you when we uh, when we get into free agency. We can talk about that, and uh, I'll let you go back to your room where you can uh, start breaking down all the rookies and who's going to be drafted and, and stuff. But, uh, <laughs> I, I listen, it's been a lot of fun this season uh, as usual, and uh, I have enjoyed talking to you, and, and we'll look forward to talking to you in a few weeks. Another great year, and the, and, and, and the world keeps turning, doesn't it? I mean, it's fantastic. Football is you know, one of the great sports ever, and I get to talk about one of the great guys of all time. So I appreciate you, Gene. I, I appreciate that, my friend. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I hope you all have a great weekend. We've got NASCAR starting this weekend. We've got all kinds of uh, things to watch. Tiger Woods, we've got uh, a lot of great college basketball this weekend. So I hope you enjoy your sports weekend. We'll look forward to seeing you on Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.